Hello and welcome to Making the Round, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode is part of our Health IT series from the AMA Medical Students Section, Committee on Health, Information, and Technology. My name is Christopher Jackson. I'm a medical student at the University of Toledo College of Medicine, and I'll be your host for today. Today we're joined by Dr. Vera David, a physician investigator at Science 37. Dr. David is an expert on decentralized clinical trials. Hello and welcome, Dr. David. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm well. So um, our first question today, how are you involved in the health IT space and what are you currently working on? So I'm, I've been involved in the health IT space for probably at least five to six years at this point. Um, started during residency. So I'm a dermatologist by training and I'm, I'm still a practicing dermatologist. And um, in the health IT space, I actually started as um, exploring that area as a, a teledermatologist. So during residency, you know, we expanded access to care within the LA County system. I trained at Harbor UCLA using Telederm. Um, and we still continue to use that to this day, of course, especially, you know, within the context of, of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but after I graduated, I also... Um, um, began working with a company called Director that um, provides telemedicine-based um, clinical care. Um, and that that company started way before the COVID-19 pandemic as well. And so I, um, I've been involved in, in providing teledurm care and increasing, you know, with, with the goal of increasing access to care um, in that way for quite some time. Um, and so it's actually been really interesting to see um, that type of care become um, more accepted and, and quite rapidly ex- accepted, um, especially in the context of, of the recent pandemic. Um, and then in addition to that, um, shortly after graduating, I became really involved in decentralized clinical trials. So for those who are unfamiliar with decentralized clinical trials, we can start with the what a traditional clinical trial is. So in the traditional clinical trial space, um, which is really important, um, patients will come to a site, whether it be a university setting or a clinical research site that has been set up by an independent um, physician who's an expert in clinical research and, um, and enroll in clinical trials for a variety of reasons, um, might be um, medications, um, um, devices, anything of the sort, but to, you know, to formally evaluate a new sort type of technology or medication. Um, and in these, in, in the traditional setting, patients will come to a physical site, like they do go to a clinic for, for their care, um, at regular cadences, depending on, on the protocol. Um, what this means though, um, for patients is that they have to, you know, follow they have to follow a regular clinic schedule. So, and if someone has a rare disease, which um, are really important in in terms from the perspective of, um, you know, developing medications for these diseases and finding new treatments, um, they may only be able to access a site that's a few hours away, might be at a university setting, or they might live in a rural area and um, only be able to participate in that clinical trial if they're physically able to go to that site. Um, so the decentralized clinical trial space has been rapidly expanding um, over the past few years. And the concept of DCTs is to bring the trial to the patient instead of asking the patient to come to the trial. And um, what that does is um, it has um, several effects overall. One is it allows more patients who want to participate in trials to participate in trials. Um, 
companies in the DCT space work really hard to schedule visits around the schedule of that patient. So if a patient works a nine to five job, they're a teacher, they're a parent, then, you know, our home nurses, um, the home nurses will, will come to the patient's home. Um, maybe the physician investigators will interact with the patients through telemedicine. But basically, you work around the schedule of the patient. And um, people might be surprised by the amount of work that can be done um, um, within the patient's home, depending on the infrastructure that is developed by the organization. So um, many organizations have nurses going to the home with centrifuges and um, drawing blood and performing many of the activities that are required within a standard protocol from the patient's home. And so this allows greater access to um, clinical trial type care um, for many patients. Um, and from, from the trial perspective, it also enables um, more rapid enrollment into the trial, which allows us to get to you know, an answer more quickly. Um, maybe a treatment, um, maybe a treatment is, is found to be effective and that's great. You know, it moves through the clinical trial process much more quickly. Maybe it's found um, to not to be effective to, um, to meet futility endpoints and that's fine too. Um, but, you know, we get to those answers faster and, and those implications are, are many fold um, from not only getting drugs to market faster, but also, um, you know, saving money because um, the, the clinical trials industry is quite, um, quite a costly industry. Yeah, Dr. David, as you know, I uh, worked in this industry before I started medical school and our goal was always mm -hmm. to fail fast, um, which is kind of mm -hmm. a thought process that most people don't go through. Um, but I saw in my last couple months in the industry, because I only caught about four or five months of the pandemic, a strong shift towards these decentralized trials when COVID hit. Um, could you explain or go into more detail about the effects that you saw from COVID on decentralized clinical trials and how that changed things? Right. Yeah. So for sure. Um, so from the clinical trial standpoint, as as with you know regular clinics, there was always the question of one safety of patients. Many patients who are involved in clinical trials might be immunosuppressed to begin with, or they might be on medications that are immunosuppressive. So how do you maintain patient safety um, if they're going to a site? And also, how do you maintain patient safety if, um, you know, nurses are, are coming to a patient? Um, and so there, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was a lot of concern over basically enrollment of clinical trials and um, you know, how that, how the pandemic would affect enrollment. And um, it essentially resulted in a really big um, interest, kind of a push forward in the clinic, in the decentralized clinical trial space. Because as you can imagine with, um, you know, the tried and true, it's hard to stray away from what is tried and true to what is um, new and innovative, even if there are a lot of benefits. But um, the COVID-19 pandemic really um, turned everything on its head and kind of forced, um, forced organizations to think out of the box um, because no one really knew how long this was going to last and what the long-term impacts were. And so if you really wanted to, to continue to, to succeed, um, you know, the organizations that, that were interested in, um, you know, I guess, yeah, for the organizations that were really worried and interested in, in learning about new ways that they could continue to succeed if the, if the pandemic persisted for a long period of time, we're, we're turning their eyes more towards um, decentralized clinical trials and and willing to bear the the quote unquote risk of running a DCT trial because um, overall it looks like you know the this it's becoming a, a more accepted form of running clinical trials and there are a lot of benefits it's not a complete um, replacement for the traditional trial model but it really expands um, it expands the way we're able to do things in a lot of ways. 
You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Uh, and dermatology, which you are a dermatologist, is especially well positioned to be um, be used in decentralized clinical trials. It's something that you can see and that you can easily take pictures of compared to some of the more internal medicines. It's very easy to transfer over. How do you take the lessons that we learned from dermatology as it leads in the decentralized uh, clinical trial space and apply those to other forms of medicine? That's a really good question. Um, you know, there's a lot of technology that is used to capture information that um, overlaps and can be built upon. So a lot of DCT companies will um, have developed their own platforms. And um, so you can build upon that. I think that um, the the ability to communicate with patients via telemedicine is um, and the ability to form relationships with patients over telemedicine is becoming more accepted and is being translated to all aspects of, of DCT. So, you know, there was always this question of, well, in a traditional trial space, um, you know, a patient comes in, they form a relationship with the investigator, with the coordinators. How do you do that if you can't do it face to face? And and these relationships are really um, are foundational to these clinical trials because they, you know, when a patient trusts who they're working with, there, you know, it results in better retention, better data. Um, and has a lot of downstream effects. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the one of the things we learned from from Derm is that clinical trials can be run remotely and you can also still maintain those patient relationships. And I think that's been translated over to to the other spaces as well. So with the mobile landscape and the telehealth landscape in a kind of persistent flux, um, how do you ensure that platforms are readily accessible and also safe for patients? How do you ensure that their uh, PHI isn't getting transmitted? somewhere it isn't supposed to be while also making it readily accessible to my 89-year-old grandmother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, it, that's a really important, it's, it's one of the most important um, factors to consider. And so, um, and organizations um, take it really seriously. So um, platforms are encrypted, um, they are GCP compliant, they um, basically follow all guidelines, whether it's within the US or even outside of the US. So one of the challenging um, factors of running decentralized trials is um, meeting the various requirements um, of different countries, because you know every country has its own set of, um, of, of rules and regulations when it comes to patient health information. Um, so that's that's something that that organizations um, put a lot of resources into in order to make sure that um, that trials run smoothly, um, or or platforms like Telederm platforms as well put a lot of resources into that as well. Um, especially in dermatology, you look at all types of skin, all areas, including the face. Sometimes you can't necessarily block out eyes because rashes and lesions might be on eyes. So making sure that your platform is secure is, is a high priority. 
yeah, I could see how that could be a problem where you're trying to diagnose something and you can't quite make out the eye. Um, so what would you say is the impact of your work? Have you experienced any challenges along the way, just in general, not COVID specific this time? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the impact on my work is that I have been able to have a really varied and interesting career in a way that I never would have predicted. And um, it's really allowed me to, to stretch and, and, you know, work muscles that, um, I didn't know existed. Um, what's also nice is, you know, working in the clinical setting and be able, being able to do work remotely, whether it's through DCTs or through um, other, you know, working through doing doing telederm either in my own clinic or through direct derm. Um, it just allows me to work with other organizations without having to physically be in a certain space and, and block out time. So, you know, some people like, multitasking. Some people are better at monotasking. I think I, I kind of go back and forth, but it really has allowed for a lot of flexibility in my own career and career path that I don't think I would have had if physical location was a requ- being in a place physically at any point in time was a requirement. Okay. And thank you very much for that answer. And this is going to be our last question. Um, so what do you think the, uh, the health IT space would be like in 10 to 15 years when I'm a practicing physician? Mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think that in 10 to 15 years, the health IT space will obviously will have changed dramatically. I think that a lot of, um, aspects of health IT that are somewhat feared now will be generally accepted as the norm. I think AI is going to play a huge role and I know in some ways um, it can be a little bit frightening because there's this question about um, basically job security. Will, will I be replaced by machine learning? But um, I think that um, the human mind and the physician mind is, is not replaceable, but, you know, an AI can only be used to enhance our, our diagnostic skills, you know, and so um, using having tools that we never had before, I think really will only help us provide better care to to um, to all the patients that that we really want to, you know, be the best physicians for. Well, everyone, that's all for today. Thank you for listening and thank you for your time today, Dr. David. This has been Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org backslash podcast. Thank you for listening and goodbye.